so it doesn't happen to me all that frequently. Yeah. But every once in a while, I will walk out of a movie, typically a movie that you have brought me to see, sorry to say, mm. and I will wonder whether I'm an idiot. <laughs> because I can't, like, there are movies that you go to, and it, it's, it, it makes me, like, movies like this, and it makes me wonder... Am I an idiot? Am I am I one of these vapid moviegoers who needs to be spoon fed the plot? Yeah, I don't fucking think so. I think that was mostly incomprehensible nonsense. Well, we'll find out. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Screening Podcast. I'm just going to chuckle through the whole thing. You son of a bitch. I think you should just keep it. I will. Uh, uh, I am your host. Uh, my name, as always, is Daily. Uh, and joining me, of course, my partner in... Oh, please. Doper crime, Bartholomew Devon. I don't know if I like the implications of that. Story. No, I like it. I like it because I love that they constantly refer to them as dopers. I could have gone with hippie crime because they call it the, he's constantly referred to as uh, well. Okay, we're talking uh, inherent vice. <laughs> That's first things first. Good way, okay, we're Good talking inherent vice. Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film starring Joaquin Phoenix, Josh Brolin, uh, and a number of other people. Um, uh, it's an adaptation of a novel by Thomas Pynchon um, and. Pynchon? I, I, Pynchon? Pinchon? I don't know. I don't know how to how say his name. It? How do you spell it? It's like P-Y-N-C-H-O-N, I think. So, I could go either way. Oh. Could could be Pynchon, could be Pinchon. I don't know. Pinchon. Pinchon. Thomas Pinchon. Uh, Let's go with Thomas Pinchon. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, so... croissant from Indeed. Uh, well, first, before we get into the, you know, the movie itself, I think we gotta start with, uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson. Because I feel like he, so uh, just before we started rolling, we were watching uh, a little clip on TV of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah. um, and I was saying I think it is the most Wes Anderson thing Wes Anderson has ever Wes Andersoned, yeah. um, and I kind of feel the same way about this with Paul Thomas Anderson to a certain degree, um, another Anderson, such as it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, Bart, what's your relationship with? Paul Thomas Anderson. Are you a, generally a fan of of his movies, or do you have Pretty some sure trouble this is the first time I've parsing heard his it? Name. Really? I think so. I find probably, it's probably not the first time I've ever come across his work. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever heard his name. Well, okay, so we're talking about uh, Boogie Nights. We're talking about have seen it. Magnolia. Have seen it. Uh, we're talking about There Will Be Blood. Uh, I've not seen it. The Master was his last movie. Which one was that? Uh, is, that's... that one of the, is that one of the various magic movies? No, no. That's uh, it's Phoenix and uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's like the sort of fictionalized version of Scientology. Um, fictionalized version, as opposed to the factualized version well, of Scientology. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a. Tom Cruise. 
No. Oh uh, man, that'd be brilliant casting. He plays an L. Ron Hubbard esque character, Tell me that basically. Would be brilliant casting, casting Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest him, as Tom Cruise. Well, the Scientologist. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not. Look, you'll get no argument from me, sir. You would watch that movie. I, I will watch pretty much anything. No, that but you T. T. Would, Anderson you would decides enjoy to make. That. So, yes. Um, uh, Punch Drunk Love, another another okay. great P. T. Anderson. So here's my fine. You want my my relationship with this yeah. person? I find his movies to be needlessly stylized, willfully pretentious, uh, unabashedly stuck up, and generally not very good. Wow. Okay, well, we're coming at this from polar opposite ends of the field, which makes me really excited. Because right. um, I, you know, not I'm. Did you love this movie today? Well, I'm gonna say, regardless of this movie, I'm not gonna get there. I'm not gonna get there. I'm not gonna get there. I'm not gonna get there yet. It's uh, the goddamn going question. into the movie. I, mean, no, I was, every single thing you say. I, 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 hate <laughs> I hate your face so much right now. Uh, no, I'm. I've always been a P.T. Anderson fan. Uh, I think the All master right. is like incredible. Haven't work. seen that one. yet. Um, I'm willing to hold and. And uh, I really and I really like There Will Be Blood too. Um, I don't either. They're both. I mean, look, he doesn't make short movies. They're both. They're they're all really long. Oh, you think? Um, uh, and There Will Be Blood is like fucking weird and dark and. Uh, the reason why Jenna's not here tonight, yeah. is because the movie was too long. <laughs> okay, just saying. It, I mean, it's like look, it's like two and a half hours basically. It's about it two and a half hours. Forty-eight minutes. Yeah, so it's just about two and a half hours. How long did it need to be? Um, I will say I think there is a point uh, shortly after the two-hour mark where uh, I sort of felt like the movie was wrapping up, and then it kept going for a long time. That was about the point where I checked my watch and said, "There's still half an hour of this left." Yeah, what the hell are they going to yeah. do now? I th- and I think, but I think that's a problem of like. I don't think that's necessarily a problem of story. I think that's a problem of like rhythm of like pacing of the movie. It's a directorial problem. Maybe. It's a well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that makes it make that makes this kind of difficult to parse, which is that, um, you know, it's a period. So it's it's a you know just as a quick sort of recap, uh, it's a period film. It's uh, 1970, 1970. Um, in sort of California, so L.A., Northern California. Time to make yeah, the movie. exactly. Um, Literally colorful. Yeah. So you've got yeah you've got a lot of kind of like st- doper hippies. I refer them as dopers, which I fucking love that um hippie dopers you know what that made me think of what's that do you remember the saved by the bell episode where they did the she was doing there's no hope with dope uh i don't really remember oh, that oh man it's the same i mean by the is bell that the is that the one where jesse's doing speed and she does i'm so scared probably because that's the only thing i remember i'm so excited i'm so scared I love that that's the only thing i remember about saved by the bell and drugs do you remember that, that show had Haley mills on it for it years? did uh good morning miss bliss that's how that show started sure did. yeah um so so it's seventies and it's uh it's very much it's a detective noir story. I mean it literally no, it Well no, it totally is. No, it isn't. It totally fucking is. Noir? It's a seventies no. noir. It's a seventies detective noir. No, it isn't. Oh it totally fucking is. No, you can't it's Dude, not. The Here's movie the starts movie. the movie starts with the detective sitting on his couch, it's got voiceover up the wazoo, and the his ex-girlfriend, like, walks in, and it's like, oh, she walked in. Normally, she would be wearing this, but now she was dressed like this. And, like, hey, Doc, I got a problem. I need you to help me. Like, it, okay. I mean, it, this is, like, steeped in noir tro- tropes. Fine. Steeped in it. Steeped in it. Like did a fine English tea. Did it work? Worked for me. 
Really? Yeah, it worked for me. Okay, I challenge you. I, I don't go think watch it's as, actual noir for a while. I don't think it's well. No, no. I mean, it, it's a uh, it's noir for the seventies. I mean, that's there the thing. There was they were still making noir movies in in the eighties. No, no, no. I mean, uh, uh, it's playing with the like the the trappings. of yeah. noir. fine. Well, yeah, it's like it's the tropes of noir, but it's like in with. It. So, have you seen uh, Brick? Which is uh, Ryan Johnson movie? It's got uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. Um, that is a detective noir story, but it's set in like modern high school, um, okay. and that's arguably probably even more noirish than this is. But I mean, it doesn't. The Grifters is well, yeah, no, the same deal. But I mean, it's 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 playing with the uh, with the sort of. The structures of noir, but it's putting it in a different environment. Yeah, so it feels like a '70s movie, but it's still playing with those noir sort of, of archetypes. Place at all times. Oh, I, I, it worked this for me. This movie had so many identity crisis problems. See, I it works for me on the whole. So many identity crisis problems. It works for me on the whole because uh, Joaquin works for me. I mean, without Joaquin, that movie falls apart like in a, in a second. I think he like I buy him as both like. The Describe. crazy doper who's okay. like you know on the fifth plane, working out of the fifth dimension essentially, okay. but also that he is kind of like he has these moments of like uh, uh, of cognizance where he he knows exactly what's going on and he can connect the dots and he can actually figure out what the fuck is up and and make shit happen. Describe his character for me. What was his name? Doc Sportello. What was his real name? Uh, uh, uh Larry. His real first okay. name is actually Larry. And what was he like? Uh, so, uh, I love this. He's he's a he's a licensed detective. Yeah. Um, well, we don't know that actually. Well, yeah, he says licensed PI earlier, and then uh, someone says they gave you a, when he's at the massage parlor, yeah. and they say, "Oh, we have a discount to cops." And he says, "What about licensed PIs?" Um, Did he say licensed? Yeah, he says licensed okay. PIs. But then later, someone's like, "No, oh, they gave you a license," and he doesn't really answer. Yeah. So you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Um, he is totally like uh, you know he's a he's absolutely a you know a hippie doper like the way he's constantly described in the movie. He is almost never without a joint in his hand, um, and he's a he's a detective who his first his nickname is Doc. So he's a detective. He works out of a doctor's office. Yep. Um, which I think is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, See, that's the problem with this movie. Is that what this movie is for? Anyone who's listening. There are two movies that I really want to watch now. Yeah. And it's it's these two movies. It's The Big Lebowski, which yeah. is an obvious choice. Yeah. And The Usual Suspects. Okay. I want to put those two movies together. If you take those two movies, put them in a blender, drink that shit, and then throw up, and then cast Josh Brolin, <laughs> you get this movie. That is a fair point. Uh, you are you are and it's, and it's you are as, not wrong, sir. And it's as good as neither of those movies. Uh, well, this, this is the thing. So, so and then Josh Brolin, who's awesome. Josh Brolin, is awesome. Is fucking amazing <laughs> in this movie. I'll give him that. Moto panakekos. I just want to spend the rest of my life yelling moto panakekos every Fourth time myth. I work into walk into a diner. Yes. Jesus Christ. I mean, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, See, and that's my problem, is that Josh Brolin's character, cartoonish though he may have yeah, been... Yeah, he literally eats way, a tray of weed at the way, end. Way, better developed. He literally kicks in a door, sits down at a table, mimics what he says for a minute, 
eats a tray of joints and weed and then walks out the door again. And, yeah. like, nothing. Yeah. With, with Joaquin Phoenix just crying. Yeah. And then this thing is, like, so that character is really cartoonish in every single thing that he does. Yeah. Which makes him lovable. But also, Joaquin like... Phoenix's character is nowhere near as well-developed. Oh, I, I, I totally disagree. No connection with no, the No, I totally Nothing. disagree. Oh, I, like, oh, no, I loved him. Guy. I just wanted him to be the dude. No. At every turn. Every time he was smoking a joint, which was the whole movie. The I was whole like, movie. That should, that's a white Russian. Yeah. And, and, like, just everything. And the, the feet thing. Ugh. No, see, I loved it. I no, love Joaquin no, no. so much in this movie. No. I think... Joaquin Phoenix. He's a really good actor, but... I just, he's an incredible actor, and you've got to see him in, in The, the Master. That, it's such a different turn for him. Fine, but I'm, what I'm telling you is that the fact that this movie relied so hard on his ability to act... Yeah. I think points out a weakness in the script. Oh, no, see, I think... I'm, no, so, okay, so there are two things I have to say about you this. You said it yourself. Without him, this movie falls apart. If well, they cast someone else, this movie would be shit. Well, and, and I mean... That what doesn't I, mean a good movie that's a good performance. What I mean by that is that, you know, he, in a, ver- in a very real sense, he is the movie. I mean, if you cast somebody else, not that the movie couldn't work, but it becomes a very different movie, Would you know? I mean, it could have. Did it work? It worked for me. Here's, so here's one of the things. So you... What was the last movie you hated, Mike? Uh, the last movie I hated... I'm trying to think of a movie in this whole series of podcasts, all fucking 47 of them, that you hated. Um... I, what did I just watch? Oh, well, I didn't really like uh, uh, Theory of Everything, um, oh, okay. which I did with Jamie. You, right, you didn't come right. see that I with us. I didn't see that one. I didn't really like that movie at all. Um, I, we didn't podcast it, but I didn't really like uh, Imitation Game all that so much also either. I've not yet seen. I think it's. I mean, I think it's. I think it's fine. I just don't think it's like Oscar worthy. I don't think it's anything basically. Fair enough. Um, but no. So I mean, I think. So, so you mentioned before the break about, you know, whether or not you need to be spoon-fed answers, you know? I don't know? think that I do. No, I don't think you do either. But, in a way, that's one of the things that I kind of loved about this movie. Um, well, you're presented with a basically impenetrable mystery. Um, because you're, you're given a very no, straightforward... No, no, no. See, this is, the, this is the problem. is They never set up the mystery. They just give you a series of facts which are tangentially related to each other. I don't know what the actual mystery was. Well, no, the problem Except is... where's the girl? And yeah. then she just shows up, not unlike in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. So, so you start and out... And there was still half an hour of movie left. You start out with a very, with a very clear-cut mystery kind of thing, which is, you know, she shows up uh, in his, at his house and says, Hey, you know, I'm, in, I'm involved with this guy. His, I think his wife and her boyfriend are going to try and... Like, you know, lock him up in a loony bin. They're going to try and steal all of his money. They want me to get in on it. And then after that, she and the and her lover, they disappear. So it's where did they go? You know, where's the chick? And, you know, who's got the money? And, you know, who's in on this? Yeah, and what's yeah, going on? Yeah. Um, the thing is that they keep... It doesn't stop there. Oh. Like... In 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 a, in you know a simpler version of this movie, they would like give you a series of clues where it was like, oh well, that guy was involved with this person, so he would go talk to that person, and that would lead to another clue over here, and that would lead to another clue over here, and that would lead right. to another clue back, which would lead you back to where you started. You go, oh, there it is. And in yeah, in a conventional version of this movie, like you know, at like seventy minutes in, you would know how it was going to end. Basically, you would like have all the pieces, and like a normal human thinking person could figure it all out. Yeah. In this movie, 
you are presented with this sort of initial mystery, and then you just get, like, a bunch of other characters that get introduced, or, like, threads and relationships, and how any of them necessarily relate to each other be remains fairly opaque for most of the movie. Um, to the point that it's almost not worth trying to like like solve the mystery in your because that's when you watch a mystery movie you want to like solve the mystery yeah, you want to figure it out before right. the movie explains it right. to you I mean, you know an episode of Sherlock for yeah exactly you're trying to you're trying to play detective and you, and you know what you're trying to do I didn't know what I was trying to do during yeah. this movie I was like I well that's what? see that's what I was, I, like, I was asking myself and I really mean this I was like would this make more sense if I were stoned out of my mind I had that thought as well. I kind of wish I just had, like, I. it made me a little sad that I wasn't watching this movie with a million joints. You know? Like, I mean, clearly, like, not, like, if you tried to match Joaquin Phoenix joint for joint in this movie, holy shit, you'd be on the floor before you hit 90 minutes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't want to try it, but I'm just saying, I mean, you go right holy ahead, fuck. Um, but no, what I'm saying is that, uh, because I think the movie puts the audience in a position of there's so many moving pieces involved that it becomes almost impossible to try and solve the mystery. Which makes you care less. No, no, no. I was okay with it because for me it just became like, okay, I'm not trying to like put all the pieces together. I'm kind of just letting it all, letting the mystery kind of wash over me and just living in like the textures of the scenes and the performances. That's what I was trying to do. And you know what happened? You fell asleep. I fell asleep. You fell asleep in a scene with a naked lady monologuing for like five full minutes. Well, that's because her, I don't know her, just the sound of her voice just playing. Oh my God. I was like, okay, well let's talk about her. Not Brie Larson. Uh, Shasta. Her name was Shasta. Shasta McNasty. Yeah. Uh, Shasta. Shasta McLarson. Face. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you know who? Do you know who she actually is? No. Her the actress's She's name? Not Brie Larson. The actress's name is Catherine Waterston. She no. is the daughter no. of Sam Waterston oh. from Law and Order and everything else. Swear to God. Oh, that's not right. I think she's great. No. I think she's fantastic no. in this. I don't know her from anything no, else. No, no, no. I mean, I've seen other movies she's in, but like I did not rec- like I have no strong recollection Sam of her. Sam Waterston is like everybody's uncle. Yeah. Which would make this girl who's naked on screen your cousin. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I I mean, I was okay with it. I think and that's a great scene all done in one long shot one long take it's a riveting fucking scene it wasn't that riveting anderson does a a voice apparently not because you fell asleep it was like Um, the exact moment when i just couldn't take anything yeah well that's pretty much i mean i'm granted i'm tired anyway but you're i mean that's the moment where like you sort of feel like the movie is wrapping up and then it goes for another 30 minutes that that was that was exactly but i liked the stuff that came after i liked she's back yeah the mystery is I think the mystery is solved. Yeah, what, you would have been. What were we doing here? You would have been fine leaving Owen Wilson dangling in the wind, basically. Oh, he was needless. Yeah. Um, well, I, I liked what came after, though. I love the the like shootout in the stairway and him Did handcuffed. I hit you? That 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 shit was fucking awesome. I love that scene so much. I, I don't even know what. The, I don't understand what the point of a lot of it was. It just was like, why am I? What? Well, that's, How did I get here? Who are you? That's see. That's what I'm saying. I think that it's a movie that is very much about a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. Yeah. Fuck you. Well, no, like that's just, 
the the master is kind of the same way. There isn't really a hard and fast like. There was no cadence to the movie. There was no rhythm. There was no overall shape. I think. Well, I think there's a lot of rhythm to this movie. I don't know about sh- shape. You might be able to argue, but I don't. I I, I think there's a I, lot of great I, rhythm to this movie. You know me. I'm musically trained. Yeah. Give me a shape. Mm-hmm. Take like have like let there be a melody that takes me where you want me to go. Don't just like. I, I don't want Stravinsky. There's no there's like, no melody. It's Joaquin freestyling for two and a half hours. That's your problem with it. Uh, I like jazz too, <laughs> but it's, it's but there is a difference between jazz improvised by Monk, yeah, and then like shit that people are coming up with in 2015 and calling it jazz, jazz yeah, calling it jazz. Yeah. It's like I brought this comb and a trumpet. And 17 DVD boxes. <laughs> like, it's not... Yeah. See, I literally wrote in my notes, Phoenix is perfect. Like, to the, and what I mean by that is, you know, he's one of these guys, and I started to say earlier, I mean, I think he does not get his proper due as, like, I, one of our great modern actors. I would agree with that point. I mean, He's I, very... Very talented. He is so immersive. Like, I would believe that this was, like, just his performance, I would believe that this was a movie, like, shot in the 70s. That he is not, like, doing a period character, that he is, like, a guy in that era who's, like, immersed in that culture. I cannot think of a Joaquin Phoenix role where I was disappointed with his performance. His actual performance. Yeah. Can't think of one. Yeah. He's very good. The only He's Joaquin good, movie but... well, the only Joaquin movie I don't like is his like fake documentary where he won't, he pretends to be hip hop, like quit acting to do hip hop. Right, which I have that documentary seen, annoys me a lot. Um, that's fine. But But that's not the same thing. No, it's not at all. No, it's, it's not, not like at a normal all. acting role. That's like a weird performance art piece thing. Yeah. So Poof, you're a puppeteer. Yeah, exactly. Um I loved the line <laughs> fuckinging. <laughs> Fucking ing, f u c k i n g ing. Yeah, I wrote that down because I loved it. Um, can we talk about Josh Brolin's TV commercial at the beginning where <laughs> he's got a fucking afro? <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Um, Brolin is amazing. In this. Brolin is goddamn amazing like, in this. All right, Thanos. Like these, this, this is the perhaps my favorite version of Josh Brolin is like these kinds of roles. Oh yeah, where he's car- he is a cartoon character. It, like it makes me re- it makes me appreciate his casting as the voice of Thanos more. Right, because he is such a cartoon character <laughs> and he's so good at it. It's like he's just, just like a ridiculous person. Yeah, yeah let him do that. Uh huh. Um. So we were talking about the the sh- you were talking about like the shape of it. I think a lot of that is determined by the voiceover, which is kind of an odd choice um, because in a true noir you'd have you know there's a lot of fucking voiceover in this, yeah. which is again it's based on a novel which I haven't read, but I assume a lot of the voiceover here is literally it's the prose from the novel. It's trying yeah. to incorporate some of the language which that makes well people love it. And you know see, for what it's worth, this is this is one of those. Uh, uh, one of those novels that had sort of long been considered basically like unfilmable. You know, like one of these things where it's like impossible to adapt, basically. Yeah. Clearly you felt they did not adapt it, you know, very strongly. They adapted it into something. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it was. But it's I, an... But I was always happy when Josh Brolin showed up. Yeah. Well, so I think the I think the voiceover is an interesting choice. Like I said, in a classic noir, the voiceover would be, you know, it would be Doc's voiceover. It would all right. be Joaquin. Um, here, instead... Which I it's... actually think would have been more effective. Yeah, maybe. 
Um, I, I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, the voiceover here is done as by this sort of like fringe supporting character who, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. Who, yeah. She gets like a couple of scenes that don't involve her voiceover, but, uh, most of it, you know, I, it works. I think, well, I think it works only in that, like the, you know, the actual substance of her voiceover is all of this sort of esoteric, philosophical it's it's the flowery prose of the novel so that yeah exactly well that that stuff would sound weird coming out of doc's mouth like in doc's voice that stuff would feel weird and unnecessary that's because he's not a believable pi no see i totally buy him as a pi i totally like watching the trailers and stuff i expected him to just be like this like weird incompetent guy but that first scene he was he like totally won me over i was like oh no you know what the fuck is going on let me let me rephrase that he's not believable as a noir pi that might be fair. He's, he's either too self-aware or nowhere near self-aware enough. Yeah. I don't know which, depending. Yeah, that's probably um, fair. But as a noir PI character, yeah. it doesn't... I, I, felt like he, I, I felt like he got mixed direction. And I felt like there were times when it was like, you need to be a master of puppets type PI. Okay. And other moments, it's like, just be stoned. <laughs> like, just be a dude, you're stoned, you're yeah. wearing jelly slippers, probably... Mm-hmm. Or actually, probably wearing no slippers. It's barefoot. All he time. was barefoot a lot. Barefoot or in sandals. Yeah. And that, like, again, like, I love. There's that bit where you know he goes to meet with uh, who's it, Martin McDonough or uh, Martin Martin Donovan um, at the end there, yeah. and he says, "Oh, I'm going. You know, wear wear a jacket and tie if you can." And then he shows up in like a turtleneck and a brown like jacket, and he's got the fucking like dream catcher around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and see, that was the thing. Is like there, it seemed incongruent to me that he would be a guy who would bother having an office. Yeah. No, and... see, that's why I love. It. He's just in a doctor's office. That's why I love that. I, I wouldn't buy him in an actual office. I like that he's in a doctor's see, office. See, like it just seems weird to me that the same character would be smoking constantly, mm-hmm. have an office, and then like occasionally do some cocaine. When it, pre- when it presents itself, but then not normally. Like it's just it it didn't it didn't work somehow. Yeah. It just was too many discordant things. Well, okay. So because you mentioned cocaine, I gotta ask this. Um, so let's talk about because like I wrote, it's, it's a stacked cast. I mean, it is a oh yeah. There are a lot of familiar faces in it, and some of them, you know, they show up for like a scene or two, maybe. Yeah. Uh, some of them literally have like a couple of lines, and that's basically it. So. Uh, what I want from you is uh, your favorite cameo of the movie, and your like, b- like most like, what the fuck are you doing in this movie cameo? And oh, I think God. I know I your, a, I know I your, a, I think I know your answer for the second one. Um, oops, that's insane. I'll go. I'll, I can go first. I'll go first. Go so ahead. while you while you look up the cast yeah, list, I need I'll to give you the first. See the cast list. To do so this. my favorite, uh, I think by far, is Martin Short. Martin Short is ridiculous. Martin Short, uh, like in a in a, a character that like it's just it's a couple of fun scenes. It introduces the girl Japonica, who like becomes sort of tangentially important later. But really, it's just a scene where Martin Short can take his pants off and do cocaine uh, and yell in a car, in the back of the seat of a car. Um, but man, is he a lot of fun! Like it made me miss Martin Short in other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Biggest what the fuck for me... Maya Rudolph. I knew you were going to say Maya Rudolph, which is why I'm not going to say Maya Rudolph. I actually am not sure that... Because that... you... I realized who it was the first scene that she had where they kind of shoot her from a distance, and then she gets a close-up the second time around, and you turned and were like, looked at me like, 
the fuck is th- is that is that my Rudolph? Are you gonna say Michael Kenneth Williams? I am gonna say Michael Kenneth Williams. That's not unsurprising. Fucking Omar, who has like one scene and then like never comes back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I love to see Omar in anything. Or Jenna Malone, what are you doing here? No, no, okay. Or Owen Wilson, what are you doing right here? Right now, I think I want to call my heart of the Ghostbusters is might be Jenna Malone's teeth. Oh, Jenna Malone's no, teeth no, no, no. in this you movie might no, be my no, heart of the you Ghostbusters. Need, you need to pick a whole person. You don't pick fucking body parts. <laughs> Holy shit, those fucking teeth. And like, as soon as she opened her mouth, I looked at her and turned to you and, oh my god, those fucking teeth. Yeah, no, and then 30 seconds later... Do you like, like my, my teeth? Chom- she says, do you like my chompers? Yeah, <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Holy shit. Um, Alright. There were a number of people that I can't, I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. Yeah, Maya Rudolph, Maya, Maya Rudolph I don't know what she was doing there. Yeah. Um, fucking Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts See, is great. I, I would say, I, w- I would. Eric Roberts has old man teeth. I would pick Eric Roberts for what are you doing here. Yeah. But I can't. Because of Sharknado. No, is it Sharknado? No, it was Sharktopus. Sharktopus, yeah. Like, I just can't say that to him about anything yeah. now. It's like, what are you doing in this? Paycheck. His wife uh, looked kind of familiar to me, but I couldn't place her. And then I saw her name, and uh, I think... I, I, you have the phone in front of you, so... I do. Maybe you can confirm this for me. But his wife, who uh, Sloan... I think her name was something Scott Thomas. I wonder if Serena that's... Serena Scott Thomas. Yeah, I feel like she must be Kristen Scott Thomas's sister. She must be related to Kristen Scott Thomas, right? Because she out. probably kind of looks like Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, born in Nether Compton. <laughs> Nether Compton. Nether, Nether Compton. <laughs> Jesus. Nether Compton, Dorset, England, UK. Yeah, she must be Kristen Scott Thomas's sister. Uh, let's see. She is an actress known for *The World Is Not Enough*, *Hostage*, *Inherent Vice*. She's previously married to Scott J. Tepper. I don't remember her in any of those movies. I can't imagine why. Anyway, um, my favorite, I'm going to, it's not a cameo, but it's Brolin. <laughs> well, no, no, not Heart of the Ghostbusters, but like. No, 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 like, he's not my Heart of the Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. No, he's not my Heart of the Ghostbusters. He's almost my Heart of the Ghostbusters. Okay. He's a little too unhinged for me. Okay. It's like, I don't, when I go have drinks with people, I don't like wondering whether they're going to suddenly shoot me or. Well, no, that's my problem with him too, because I also thought about doing him for Heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's like just a little bit too like. Too much of a dick. Yeah, like he like might, his character is like too he, much. Like he he's a joy on suddenly, screen. He but... might suddenly beat me up. Yeah, exactly. And I don't he... really want to worry about that. I'm oh my god! Drink. No, the scene where the scene where he beats up Doc outside of Wolfman's house, uh, where like he like clenches and just like drags him around yeah. and he's <laughs> stepping on him and shit. Yeah, and it's all he, done and, in slow mo. Does the knee drop? For oh no my reason. god! Fucking amazing. Realize... Can we also first of all, could we also talk about how uh, every time he's uh, uh, Phoenix says Mickey Wolfman's name, he calls him Wolfman. <laughs> yes. Do you realize that there was a character named Doctor Buddy Tubeside? <laughs> What? How did I miss that? Dr. Buddy Tubeside. Dr. Buddy Tubeside. So, look, the names in this movie are amazing. Everybody has a fucking great name oh, in this yeah. movie. Uh, oh, you know why? Wolfman has two ends. It's Wolfman. Wolf, Wolf, Wolfman. 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 Bigfoot Bjornsson. Yeah, Bigfoot Bjornsson. Holy shit. Doc Sportello. That's pretty great. Uh, what? Sha- it's Shasta Lee, Shasta Sh- Faye something. Shasta Faye Hepworth. Shasta Faye Hepworth. That's what it was. Ridiculous. Um, every everyone in this movie has a great name. Yes, it's I, like I I'll have an appreciation that. for great fictional names in I movies. I mean, these are these are Martin Short's got a great name. It's like Doctor Boynton or something like a, that. 
Do you realize what Benicio del Toro's name is? No, who I also love. Sancho Smilax. (laughs) (laughs) He was also up there. He was was a fucking great he was almost my heart of the ghostbusters he was also he very was, close he was to me for most of the movie yeah until one specific person showed well, up. okay well we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there we will um the uh so Timothy yeah i mean simons as agent borderline <laughs> sam yeager as agent flatweed those are great names too i love those both of those actors Jesus. they were both great little cameos too um Anyway, a million years ago, we were talking about the narration. I, I love. And I who is that actress who who's Ooh. doing the narration? Joanna Newsom. Yeah, must be her. Yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Joanna Newsom. Uh, like so, yeah. We were talking. You know, the text of her narration. It's a lot of that sort of. It's the it's the sort of flowery prose of the book. Um, and yeah, so it, I mean, it, I wouldn't call it heavy handed. It's not the right the right word for it. I don't think, but. It feels almost at odds to what's actually happening in some places. That's Japonica. Japonica, another fucking amazing <laughs> name. Um, but her voice—I love her voice, though. Her voice what is the so fuck? weird. Japonica was in first class. Who was she in first class? I don't know. I don't look that up. I'm looking it up. Um, her voice has such a like an interesting like sort of tone and timber that I like. It made me more interested in what was going on. Like it made me uh, like I paid attention more to the voiceover just because her voice seemed so unique. Yeah. Um. I I, I just like listening to her talk basically, and that feels very much like an Anderson thing to do. If like you cast this person in the mind and go, oh no, you've got a you've got a great voice. I just want to listen. You just I just want to listen to you say all these words basically. Mm. If she was a teenage girl. Oh, okay. Well, good job there. Good job, yeah. Well well done. Indeed. Uh, I really like the music, too. Uh, soundtrack was good at the beginning, and then it's and then I kind of lost interest yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Greenwood did all the music. Um, he of the uh, Radiohead, I believe. Yeah, he's a guitarist for Radiohead. I mean, he's done a couple other PT movies. He did the There Will Be Blood music as well, I think. And he's, oh. I mean, he's scored a bunch of films. Oh, but. yeah. Now I can see that she really does look like Sam Waterston. Yeah, right? It's crazy. Now that's scary. Yeah. It's gross. Um, but I, I really liked his music. I, I liked the original score, but I also really loved all the musical choices, too. There's that great scene where they play uh, uh, the fucking song. I always think of it as the song from uh, Animal House. Um, uh, fucking don't know much about history, don't know much technology. Oh, that yeah, song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, that that that, that fucking is, song. Yeah, that, that fucking song, which I always think of. It, it's um, the song that they oh, play right. It plays right before the food fight in Animal House. Right. Um, and that oh. plays in a great scene there too, which I also really love. Um, but I just, yeah, every time music played, I got like I was into it. I got real. I got really what excited. A, what a wonderful world. Yeah, yeah. Sam Cook. Sam Cook. No. Yeah, I think so. I think Sam Cook. Probably. Yeah, I think Sam Cook. What a wonderful world. I think that's right. Um. There's, there's, I think Phoenix has a bunch of really great, like little fun character choices. Um, one of the ones that I, aside from the fact that he constantly has a joint in his hand, is um, I like I love when he writes out, oh, on, good, on the joint paper, yeah, for Shafta's safety or keep Shafta safe or whatever, and then he smokes it up. I think that's that's great. Like I want to start doing that. I want every time I smoke a joint, I want to write something on the papers. Why so, not? Um, but uh, I love the thing that he does. It's a really, like, simple thing, but he does it through the whole movie. Um, cause there's a, there are a bunch of instances where he's in his apartment and his phone rings. And every time his phone rings, he all even if it's like the phone is sitting right in front of him, which usually it is, he never answers it. Like, 
because it's in front of like he always lets the phone ring like two or three or four times before he answers it mm-hmm. and every time he does he almost never speaks first and even if he does speak first he like answers the phone and then just like sits there in silence for like three beats like he always waits for the other person to say something first to make the first move and even if he does say something first it's just sort of like yeah like like he never yeah. he, he has like no custom he has no, he has no phone etiquette you in this movie which I love because I do that yeah I do that for one very specific reason. What's up? Telemarketers. Okay. Um, if it's a robot, yeah, it waits for you to say hello, and that's what triggers it to start. So I always wait for a minute, and if there's nothing, then I go. Hmm. See, I answer, but as if nobody answers me immediately, then I know it's a robot like triggering itself, and then I hang up. If 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 I say hello and I See, get like a second up, and a half of silence, then I hang up the phone. Just hang up on telemarketers anymore. You have to wait until they're done. And then you either need to heckle them. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm serious. You need to be like, like the way you make them stop is you, you do the standard do not call list. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah stuff. If it's a human, you have to wait until they make their little pitch. Cause, or you can interrupt them and just be like, do you have a do not call list? And they'll be like, well, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you have a do not call? And you just keep doing that. And they're like, and like yes. See, most they of get the, really sad. Be like, I'm sorry, just I don't want, don't call me. Most of the time, I don't have the time or patience to go through that if whole it's a process. Robot, you really do have to wait till the end because at the end of the message, they are required to have an opt out. Oh, key. nice, that's good. So you just gotta wait it out for a hot second. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually have time for that bullshit. I usually just hang up. Yeah, but then you gotta keep bothering. Yeah, just keep hanging up. It's fine. Have you been at your parents' house recently? No. That is all my parents get. It's like... <laughs> well, yeah, they have a landline. Yeah, the landline is all... It's like family members it's call. Wh- why I don't own a landline. It's, it's family members and telemarketers. Yeah. Like, yeah. college Republicans, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't have a landline. Why the fuck do you have a landline still? How sad would you be if my parents' landline went away? I still remember your parents' landline number. I, I would do. be a little sad if it went away. See? But that's only it's, because it's there's real... no cell reception in your house. <laughs> well, no, we got a repeater. And actually, as they, it has gotten better recently. So. Well, it's because I got that stupid repeatery thing. Yeah, that'll do like it. Years ago. Yeah. Probably should replace it soon. Well, that's. I mean, I don't. I don't have a lot else here. I enjoyed it. I. Oh, I mean, God. I think. It, I think it's got some pacing problems. I think it's not his strongest it has movie. Plot problems. I know. See, I'm okay with it. Like, the yeah, whole I agree. Movie is pointless. I agree that there's like a lot of stuff going it on. Is and your it... life better for having seen the movie? <clears throat> yeah. Why? Joaquin Phoenix. Because I loved Joaquin Phoenix. Why don't you just go watch another Joaquin Phoenix? In fact, I will go so far. Oh, I will throw this down. Ooh, for all the, right. For the first time oh, in the history oh, of this oh, podcast, oh. I am picking the lead character as my heart of the Ghostbusters. Joaquin Phoenix is my heart of the Ghostbusters in this movie. No question, bar none. Fucking loved him. I will watch that character. I would watch him do that character in anything. I I fucking loved it. Well, if they make a sequel. (laughs) I mean, like I said, I think think the whole movie has some other issues. I think there are some pacing problems. Uh, I think it's, you know, probably a little bit longer than it needs to be. It's a lot longer than it needs to be. But I loved Joaquin Phoenix in this movie so goddamn much that I didn't care. performance in an otherwise pretty pathetic movie. Mm. I'm okay with it. All I'm, right. I'm okay with it. Home. But I love PT. I love you. Don't like PT. I like PT. I feel like this is like I said at the very beginning. It's, it's like so Grand Budapest. If you don't like, uh, if you don't like, like Wes Anderson, you're gonna hate Grand Budapest. I like Wes Anderson just fine. It's just that movie was. It was. <sighs> I love Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. which is very Wes Anderson. No, no, absolutely. But it, it but it was cheeky. It wasn't like 
force it upon you. Right. And that bothered me. Well, no, no, but but my point is, though, that, like, you can like Wes Anderson and then go, oh, but I don't like this movie that he did. Like, if you don't like P.T. Anderson, you're not going to like this movie. There's no way. Apparently, not having known who he was, all the (laughs) P.T. Anderson movies that I've seen thus far, I have not especially enjoyed. See, I... I, They're too long, and they're they're just needlessly artsy. No, I love it. It's not even artsy. It's just, like... I've been wanting to revisit Punk Drunk Love, uh, Punch Drunk Love, for a really long time. I've watched it in a while. I haven't seen Punch Drunk Love since theaters, and my association with it is so negative, just from the surrounding circumstances. Oh yeah, no. See, I I, that was that was a real bad day. I want to rewatch that movie, especially (laughs) now that Philip Seymour Hoffman's gone. I really want to rewatch that movie. That was on my like Hoffman list of things to rewatch. I would gladly go back and see it again. Um, but, I mean, Magnolia, I remember everyone just, like, losing their minds about how awesome it was. And then I saw it, I was like, not that awesome. I, I dig Magnolia. But, again, um, like, here's... Again, a, but, that was, that was but a here's, long time ago. Here's the thing I will say, how though. How long ago was that? Magnolia, that's around 2000. Yeah, I was going to say, so, about 15 years. Yeah. Here, here's the thing I will say, though, about PT movies. Yeah. I really like them all. Um, I haven't really encountered a PT movie I didn't like yet. Mm-hmm. But they're not the kind of movies that I watch a lot. Like I, I own a bunch of them. I don't rewatch them well, very it's like often. Trying to watch uh, David Lynch movies all the time. Yeah, I guess it's just like it's too. Yeah, damn you much. watch it every couple of years, I guess. But literally, I mean, I aside from, uh, I think. I mean, are you gonna sit around and just like pop in Mulholland Drive? No. Yeah, no. That's you got to be in the right frame of mind. And I think PT is kind the way, of the same way. Great group heckling drinking movie. Mulholland. Oh my god! Oh sure, yeah. It's amazing. You can go that way with it, absolutely. Oh, that's great. Um, but I, I mean, that's the thing. I like. I really, I've really enjoyed almost every movie he's ever made. But like, very few of them have I watched. You know, with any kind of frequency. Uh, there will be blood. I remember I watched it. Um, and that's also like a long ass movie. That's you know between two and a half three hours. And I, I remember I watched it, uh, I, I was working security for an Academy screening, so I literally watched the movie, and I had to do two screenings back to back, so I watched the movie, the movie ended, I went back out, and then I brought in another crowd, and went through another, whole other screening of the movie, so I literally watched the movie twice, like, back to back in a day. And you were exhausted at the end of I it. was exhausted, but I loved, I, but I walked out, especially after the second time, I was just, like, totally in love with that movie. But, and I bought it like months ago and I still haven't watched it. Yeah. I haven't watched it since the day I watched it's it twice so, in one day. It's exhausting. Yeah. No, it is. It is they are they are long, involved, detailed, exhausting films. And I enjoy them, but I don't watch them with any kind you of it'd repeatability. Be like, it'd be like trying to read Proust for pleasure. Yeah, maybe. Why would you? Um, the other the other book that I always think of in that same kind of regard yeah. is uh uh the Cryptonomicon, which is uh, Neil Stephenson, I think. Um, it's really fucking good. In fact, uh, like, seriously, fuck the imitation game. This is, like, my favorite depiction of Alan Turing. Mm. It's uh, it's a book that is set in two... Uh, it's set in two different time eras. So you've read... Uh, you, you're, you've read, you read Moby Dick, right? You must have read it in, in high school, right? Because I read it in high school. Mm-mm. Oh, did we? We must have taken different English classes that year. Then, I mean, I read parts of that it. I ignored a lot of Carbonelli it. Here. Yeah, um, Moby Dick is a book where it's like it's a million fucking pages, yeah. and half the book is the story of Ahab hunting his white whale, and the other half of the book is just like 
a dissertation on whaling. Like, how, like, the process of what happened, you go on a boat, and blubber sails, and, like, harpoon. Blubber sails? Yeah, like, it, it is literally, it is just, like, the a factual accounting of what what you do if you're a whaler, basically. So, large portions of it are very dry and very hard to get through. Uh, The Cryptonomicon's kind of the same way. There are two different uh, time stories. One that's, like, in a kind of near future, and it's, like, a computer hacker who's trying to, you know, decrypt this thing or whatever. I don't really remember what the plot is that he's going through. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is set in World War II, and it's Alan Turing trying to break down the Enigma machine uh, and all this stuff. That's basically what the, the Imitation Game is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, in the end, the two plots are, like, related. Like, the thing that Turing had to figure out for the Enigma machine is related to the, you know, the thing that the guy's trying to decrypt in the near future. And then, like, in between, there's a lot. So it's basically, it's like you get a chapter of Turing, you get a chapter of, like... The, of the near future, and in between you get a chapter of just, like, code breaking. Like, this is what code breaking is. And, like, some fucking proofs and, like, a lot of math shit. And so, like, those parts can be, like, really dry and really hard to hack through. Oh. And the book is, like, fucking, like, 900 pages or something. So oh it is God. an epic fucking read. But it's really good. Like, even if you just skipped all the, like, code breaking chapters and just read the other two stories... Oh. Like, they're fantastic. But if you wade through and actually hack through the stuff, like, you don't have to do fucking math homework to read the book. Mm. But, like, the equations and the processes that they, that they describe, it, like, enhances what's going on. I think you go, like, oh, oh, this is the thing they were just talking about in another chapter. That's what he's going through. It's like, you don't, they don't have to stop the story to explain what he's trying, what Turing's trying to do or what the main mm. character's trying to do because they kind of did it in footnote form in between the two chapters. Fair it's enough. like, it's a weird structure, but I, I always think of Moby Dick as being kind of the same way. Um, I don't remember why we started talking about this. Because I was... <laughs> oh, reading Proust for fun, first, yeah. It's just like, it's so detailed. Yeah, no, it's so detailed, but it's kind of the same way. Yeah. And I just don't want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not completely inaccessible, this movie. It's yeah. It's just like... Uh, it's not that enjoyable. Like, it, like this movie could have been... I'm going to just say, it could have been better. Sure. It could have been tighter. I think there. I think. It, I think it, it has room been, for improvement. You know, or it could have been more noir. It could have been more serious. Yeah. But it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. And it, it was became, not everything I wanted it to be. I will say that right. much. It was. It's. It's kind of sporky. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just like, and it's. It was. It, but for like two and a half hours, it was just exhausting. Yeah. It's like I can't. Bad. So. My yeah. heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, what's your heart of the Ghostbusters? Anyway, Who, who's your for, heart of the Ghostbusters? Long, so I, for a while, I was thinking of me brawling. Yeah, but that's so obvious. Yeah, and I also, again, I'm a little bit scared of him. Uh, then I was like Benicio del Toro, well, for sure, who's awesome. Yeah, and then I was like, and that was where I was going to be until one specific person showed up. And who is that? Japonica's father. Martin Donovan. Yeah. Really? Oh God, he's crazy. <laughs> but it was like such oh, like a, I know why. Such like a beautiful, dry um, Billy in, Madison sh- game show host kind of guy kind in of hotel way. rooms with the wallpaper. Yes, and the lamps. <laughs> well, it's just like what the fuck? <laughs> so yes, Japonica's dad. 
All right, that is a fair point, sir. I cannot <laughs> argue like, that because that is literally shit. What the hell? It is just a scene where the two of them sit down and have a drink. So that is, I expect yeah. that that is exactly what your drink, how right. your drink would go. And I would just, and I'd be down I'm with that. Thinking, yeah. Like my only real hesitation is, I'm not sure I want to have that drink so much as be near. You want like, to watch that like drink at the next table, facing that direction. Would you wear it? Would you wear a jacket and tie, or would you show I would, up? I in... would wear an ascot, sir. <laughs> It's fine. I love that. You should have. You should always. Why are you not wearing an ASCAR and, right and now? Perhaps a Benedict Cumberbund. You should, uh, love all of this. Uh, fantastic, sir. So that's my choice. Is, is Japonica's dad? I love it. I love it. I want more of it. Um, well, uh, I I think that wraps it up for, for the teeth. <laughs> the teeth. I, look, fucking Jenna Gen- Malone's teeth. teeth. Holy shit! Every time I see her in anything, all I can think of is one scene from Donnie Darko, which is just like. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> it's like everything she does now is like. Shh, shh, shh. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for Inherent Vice. Um, we don't have a lot of, or at least I don't have a lot of, like, uh, you know, Academy Awards movies left to watch. Um, Terminator, Terminator. Well, no, so look, we I think we should definitely get there. Um, so we should definitely do, uh, like, a franchise rewatch. I had a lot of fun with that, but I think we should pair it with like um you know a modern film um in that like i think we should talk about two movies at a time basically is what i'm saying um because something like terminator or whatever like we can watch on our own and then we can come we can the two of us can go watch a new movie together and then we can just talk about them okay um i was kind of thinking because you said you hadn't seen it i was kind of thinking about the born movies Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And I feel like you might really dig the yeah, Bourne I'm movies. Um, I am going to be, over the course of the next, the rest of the time that you're in Boston, Yeah, going to have, you know, some time constraints, but weekends are still going to be okay. Okay. Um, well, I own, there, there, well, so there are four, uh, three with Matt Damon and one with Jeremy Renner. Renner's the only one I haven't watched yet, so. That's fine. Um, so, this, this, but this I own the first three. Just stinks of Rambo. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. We. We'll see. I. I think you're gonna really like it. There's a lot of really great car chases. Um. Is, the hard part for me is gonna be getting over how much I don't really love Matt Damon. Maybe. Um. But I don't I think he's don't very like Damony much. in this movie. That's so. Um, I mean, there are certain things I like. like I, I really enjoyed him in Dogma. But yeah. It's not a very Damony character. I will warn you that there's a lot of shaky cam in these movies. But these are the movies that like made shaky cam a thing. Like Blair Witch. Yeah, no, I mean like yeah, in in fight scenes where it's like a lot of like close up, quick cutting, like shaky cam angles. Oh, like no, no. this is sort of what what made that popular. The first Bourne movie where it was like because we were like you watched it and you were like holy fuck, it's like I was in that fight. I yeah. felt like I was like in there and punching somebody. Uh, and then you know it got totally. It's like it's like the Matrix. You know, like bullet Boston. time blew yeah. everybody's mind, and then you had a million subpar ripoffs of it, and then yeah. it became a joke. You know, yeah. This is kind of the same thing. Okay. Um, um, but right. there's great car chases in all of them, I'm pretty sure. Like, so, Like 24? Yeah. And so picture in picture. Shoot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's, 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 let's watch the Born Identity next week. Okay. Um, cool. but, uh, we should also, let's, we should also, you know, keep trying to churn through some of these Academy movies. Um, there are two big ones, I think, left. The first, and I think we should definitely do this next week, and that's Nightcrawler. Um, that's okay, the that's yeah. the only other one that I'm really excited about at this point. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, which I'm not really excited about, except for one scene, is uh, American Sniper. 
Um, which I think is something I don't I don't have any expectations for that movie. I expect I'm gonna fucking hate it, but uh, I I think it should be I think it's something worth watching. Do you I want guess. to pair it with Mystic River? Or I mean, something? no, because I hate Mystic River too. So I hate I don't really like most Clint Eastwood directed movies. Are, oh, okay. And every really I haven't liked a Clint Eastwood movie since Unforgiven. To be honest say, with I was, you, that was my next one. No, I love Unforgiven. Why don't we just watch Unforgiven and like Dirty Harry and pretend that none of the re- I've never watched like any of the. Dirty Harry movies. We should watch Dirty Harry movies. Oh. I'm definitely down for that. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay, so let's, next week, let's do, uh, let's do Born Identity and, uh, and Nightcrawler. I love that. Alright. I think that's a, I think it's a fine pairing. Okay. We can watch Born Identity on our own schedules and, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, come over, you watch Nightcrawler and. Sounds good. And we'll podcast. Okay. Alright, great. Well, uh. And, uh, Super Bowl. And Super Bowl. Super Bowl's also happening next week. Uh, you know, deflated footballs and, and whatnot, I guess. That's some bullshit. It's, 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 all, it's Dude, all some bullshit. I don't... I honestly have no idea whether they, the, the footballs were deflated or not, or Will Fork was deflated or not. <laughs> and I don't care. The yeah. simple fact of the matter is, cry me a goddamn river, you lost by 50 goddamn points. Yeah, and moreover, uh, they replaced all the footballs at halftime and then we scored more and they scored less so uh what are we even fucking talking about yeah, right now i mean it's yeah if, if it had been a close game yeah, maybe we could have may, a conversation maybe, about yeah, it but yeah you lost by 50 points yeah plus aaron uh aaron Rodgers went on record like immediately after being like whatever i like my football's over inflated who cares you know like yeah. fucking i don't i do not give a shit about this they also had never had possession of the football the only okay. the only thing that gives me pause about like the only the only reason I'm really worried about it is that like they have literally spent the entire last week doing I feel like they've done nothing for the last week but like fucking test football PSIs and like I, I I'm only afraid that like Brady and Belichick have not had their like full game focus phase. and like attention to the game ahead of them because they've had to jump through all these fucking hoops for all of this like nonsensical bullshit so yeah but whatever. Pats Pats Come are in the Super Bowl and on, bro. That's fine. I, yeah exactly. Whatever. They hate, what 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 did they say in the interview? They hate us because they ain't us. That's how I feel about uh, it. They hate us because they ain't us. I mean, obviously, I want the Pats to win. Yeah. If the Seahawks win, I'll be not happy. But there are many teams I would hate it a lot more. Jamie's going to be a little happy because uh, Pete Carroll's the coach of the Seahawks and he was the coach of USC right. through her whole tenure there. So she's all about Team Petey. Like, not that she's rooting against the Patriots, but she would be uh, excited to see Petey win back-to-back Super Bowls. So. It's fine. All I'm saying is, is, like, there are... Like, the Seahawks is not at, at, at the top of my, oh, I fucking hate that team. Yeah, no, not at all. I have no, I have no real yeah. qualms with the yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, I don't care about Seahawks at all. I have Seahawks a lot of friends who are diehard yeah. Seahawks fans. Yeah. I can't. I don't have a preference at all. But I kind of, I love, like, there are a couple of, like, really one-sided sports rivalries that I really love. Like, for example, when I moved to L.A., I realized that uh, a lot of people in L.A. hate the Patriots uh, because they're Raiders fans. Uh, and they yeah. still feel like they got cheated because of the snowball game, the where the, the tuck rule, the tuck rule game, where Brady got tackled in the snow and they ruled it a fumble and then uh, they ruled it an incomplete pass and we got the ball back and we won that game. That was against the Raiders and that was the last time the Raiders had a shot in the playoffs. Oh. And so to this day, there are lots of Raiders fans when, who like fucking hate the Patriots. Uh, it was two thousand, it was two thousand one, two thousand two. 
Holy it was shit. our freshman year of college. Nurse yeah. that grudge, and, guys. And for the nobody in in New England gives a shit about the Raiders I at all, no, which is what I love about no, it. I had no idea. Yeah, like this is the first time ever. Raiders fans, I would all like. I used to work, and you know, people when the uh, Pats would lose, like p- people in LA, be like, "Oh, fucking the Patriots, they blew it this week, or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess." I mean. What? what are what? you guys even playing football anymore? I don't know. Like Patriots fans could not care any possibly less about the Raiders, and they just live to watch the Patriots lose. And I think it's fucking hilarious. I forgot about the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Bartholomew. A pleasure as always. My pleasure, sir. You can uh, find me on uh, the Daily Screening blog at www.dailyscreening.com. Uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Daily Screening uh, or on Twitter uh, mdaily01. We've had fun talking. I hope you've had fun listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow.